Sunny 16 presents. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 7 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And I'm Gabe Sachs. Welcome to the podcast. As usual, we want to start with some thank yous. First of all, to all the lovely people, to all Amazing. the fans, the barbarian hordes it of gets, camera it, enthusiasts. More and more support happens every week. It's amazing. Very appreciated. It is. And I, just everyone who has written, everyone who has liked our posts, everyone who has chimed in with comments on pictures of cameras on the I Dream of Cameras Instagram <laughs> feed, we just appreciate you so much. And please keep them coming. And we also want to encourage you, because we're seven episodes in and we're sucking wind, that <laughs> we want your questions. We want your thoughts. Please send us your dispatches, things you'd like us to cover, questions. Anything, Feel really. free to fight back on any strong opinion that we've ever had. Yeah. You can find us on our Instagrams and also on the I Dream of Cameras Instagram, so please check in. And thank you to uh, the amazing uh, Fred Corey for our Fred wonderful Corey for the theme tunes. music. Oh, my goodness. Yes, and Keith Greenstein, of course. We now are a podcast with almost as many logos as episodes. It's incredible. Fred is actually going to start doing themes for every uh, logo that Keith comes oh. up with. Ah! So it'll be uh it'll actually be a, lo- a very short show, but it'll be entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Right. We're heading toward a concept album. Yes. That's what I feel is coming. <laughs> this episode, episode 7, because it is the number 7, 7 is a number of intrigue and mystery. When we think of 7, what's something that we think of when we think of the number 7, Gabe? I think intrigue and mystery is really what okay. I go for right away. Definitely that, but also <laughs> The Seven Deadly Sins. And the theme of this episode is the seven deadly sins of camera collecting. (laughs) Ba-ba. If we had a a Fred music cue. Right. Don't we have a board somewhere? Isn't there some electronic stuff that we're supposed to be pressing? We should have a soundboard like a morning zoo show. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We need that. Or at least hire two photographers that can make noises. Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, So we're going to run down the sins and see how they relate to our hobby uh, and to our interests. And we're going to start with one that I think is, is one of the key sins in camera collecting, and that would be pride. Hmm. Gabe, Gabe, when you think about pride, do you think about that guy at the camera show or the photo walk with the really sexy camera over his shoulder, which he clearly wants you to talk to him about? Well, not only about the camera, but it'll be the camera bag, the pins that are on the bag, the type of film that they're using. Uh, It goes on and on and on because everyone seems to have stuff that's cooler. And I'm talking about not only the camera and the strap and the bag and the film, but the actual little doohickey that holds their film. It's some custom thing that they bought that had nothing to do with film, but it holds the film cartridge and looks amazing. And so, yes, I am. um, I have a lot of envy for people. Uh, Oh, we're going to get to that next. Yeah. Don't don't get to don't skip to the next sin yet. Oh, that's right. (laughs) There are seven (laughs) sins. What's happened? We need a board. Have you ever been guilty of pridefulness in going to one of these events? Have you ever ostentatiously showed off one of your sexy pieces of gear? No, I'd I'd never do that. Of course. (laughs) First of all, the 17 hours it takes for me to decide what camera to bring to one of these beers and cameras events is ridiculous. But once I finally decide, I will 
bring something and clean it up a little, you know, and uh, hang it off my shoulder because you want to hang it off like it doesn't matter. Like it's right. just there. So um, I think the last time I brought my my original uh, classic M6 and just hung it around and, you know, you sort of wait. But when someone, no one comes up to you, um, you get a little discouraged. Yeah. <laughs> you really want yeah. people to come up and go, hey. I find that invariably, like, if I have the M6 TTL over my shoulder, there's going to be somebody who has the commemorative edition. Oh, of course. Always. You know? Always. They they have the they have the M6 TTL, but it's got like the commemorative Leica logo that's mm-hmm. related to the Sultan of Brunei or right. the you know or the um what was the one there was one called Einstuck, where if you <laughs> bought the camera it came with one share of stock. Okay, that's in amazing. Leica. Isn't that amazing? And so it had a little picture of a stock certificate on the top. So I believe I ran into a guy at a photo walk where I was like very pridefully strutting with my Leica over my shoulder right. and he had the Einstuck. Right. And I was like, "What? I wish I had a German word. <laughs> I was like, Moin Gott. Right. There, there you go. There you go. That was good. <laughs> but yeah, it's always that sort of, oh, hmm, They've uh, there's always a better something. Or you're waiting for them to look at yours and go, oh yeah, that's, that's really good. I have this one that was held by blah, blah, blah. Yes. <laughs> Yes. You know, Ernst Light's passed it down through his family. And it's great, well, great, great, I great, want great to lean into this a little bit. We were just talking before we started recording about how you have much more experience at these photo walks than I do. Can And you, you were just alluding to the fact that the prep for going on a fo- photo walk is even different than what we talked about last time, which was the prep for going to the grocery store. Right. How is it? How is it different? Well, the problem is that Besides my normal neurosis about getting, let's take a camera and then extra batteries. And if that camera goes down, I better take another camera. And all this stuff gets put up. Well, it's, I have that and I have the 35 millimeter. I better bring a you know medium format. So let's bring the medium format. So And also you don't want to really, I didn't want to bring a backpack. So you want to look like it's just casual. So you're just going to bring a bag, a shoulder bag. Yeah. On, on. So by the time you get there and the 950 pounds that that bag is, you there's no coolness happening at all. I am walking yeah. around in pain. There's no question I'm in pain. I have the camera around my neck. It's no I'm acting like it's no big deal, but I'm everyone's walking and I go, "Oh yeah, this is a camera walk." <laughs> and I go, "Why isn't a camera sit?" I'm very much interested yes. in like, "Can't we just sit for a while and have coffee and or go to a bar or something and just stay there?" But no, it's a camera walk, so I'm lugging all this stuff, and I definitely have that thing of, like, I have to bring this great camera, and what if something happens to it? I did see a guy once at a photo walk with the Halliburton aluminum case uh, on a little dolly. Oh, my So goodness. he was, like, rolling it along behind him because he had so many cool-ass cameras that he couldn't just, like, throw one or two over his shoulder or one or two in a shoulder bag. Right. This was a piece of heavy equipment like that the bomb squad would have. Right. And then someone yeah. has a point and shoot and they're as happy as can be. They're waving and talking and running and doing yes. everything they can on a walk. And I'm literally the last person in line because I can't, I can't lift my bag and I'm going down steps and, and stuff. Again, you have more experience with this than I do. So when are photo walks typically geared around photographing a particular location? Like, are they are they oriented toward? Oh, we're going to walk around downtown, so we're going to be at City Hall. Or is that how it's set they, up? The, the, well, I know that the guys at Beer, Beers and Cameras think obviously think a lot about the location and also a very cool sort of brewery or 
you know, something like that to meet at afterwards, which is really great. And it's always the areas they pick are interesting and there's there's cool stuff. So the first one I went to was in Long Beach. And right. uh, that was more of a hangout, which was great. So I didn't have to lug that bag so much. And then the second was in Santa Monica, where we walked a very, very, very long time. Sure. And um, it was great. Went to the pier, went under the pier. It's, you know, it's, it's always interesting. There's, there's, there's stuff to see, but it's fun because you're with people that are photographers and love right. cameras. And it's just great to talk to people because usually you're alone and <laughs> looking around yeah. and asking people if I, you could photograph them. I'm just thinking it through and realizing like in selecting the gear that you're going to bring, pridefulness has got to be a big part of it because yeah. it isn't like you're bringing such and such camera because you know, oh, I'm going to need the monorail large format because right. we're going to be doing architectural photography. That's not what you're doing. No. You're really... Your camera is a conversation starter. Right. But the dumbest thing is that this group is so welcoming that it doesn't matter what you bring. And so that was the big surprise was, you know, every, you start a conversation off anyone's camera. And that's how, that's how you meet people there. You're just talking about cameras and shooting and, you know, who's selling what. And it's great. Yeah. I want to just, just while we're kind of segueing from the subject of pride, there is a certain kind of attitude, a pridefulness that can creep into dialogue, particularly on Facebook groups, where some like noob will come in with a question, which is totally legit. And there will be the person, the always the annoying person who's like, well, go Google it. Yeah. Or like the manuals are about this buckets.org, you idiot. Well, this is my this is my nightmare at the first beers and camera. I mean, uh, my nightmare was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be there and I'm going to go up to someone and I'm going to say, oh my goodness, I've never seen that before. And the entire group starts laughing hysterically. Did you hear that guy? He asked if the flange on the canooter valve was unique. You know what I mean? And I just see all these people laughing and this is ridiculous. Right. But uh, that's my nightmare. I know exactly what you're saying. But has it happened to you? No one really, does that happen to you? No, I mean, everyone's really great in that group. But I have been at the camera show where I have asked a question and I got the big sigh and the rolling of the eyes. From the seller? Yes. Yeah, I've gotten that too. Yeah. That does happen sometimes. It's a big sigh and then I'm, you know, can I hold the camera? No. Do you know what it is? Like, it's that kind of thing. A lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to okay, sell so things. You, you alluded to Canva, camera envy. Yeah. And I wanted to ask if there are specific acquisitions you can point to in your own collection that originated from seeing that camera around somebody else's neck or seeing that in an ad or seeing it in a YouTube video where you're like, okay, that lit the fuse. I have to have that thing. Oh, wait. These are a lot of things. So let's start with... Let's start with seeing someone else. YouTube, yes. I could be here for, for days. Okay. Um, but for um, for at a camera show, I remember bringing my Roloflex, and a guy came up to me and said, hey, have you tried the Minolta? You know, have you tried the Minolta TLR? Yeah. And the autocord. And I go, no. And he goes, oh, my God, you will not believe the lens. It's incredible. And he showed me pictures on his phone, and they were absolutely amazing. He said, the lens is really sharp. And so I was like, oh, that's really cool. And of course, the next entire week, I spend scouring the world for a great condition yes. of the camera. And I got one, and it's terrific. 
Like it's a it's a yeah. really great camera. And but this happens so many times. I will see someone and there's just a confidence they have with the camera or the accessory that I feel like, well, I must have that. Again, as I say every episode, this is from people that I don't know and I've never seen their photography. They could be the worst photographers in the world, but there's something about how casual they are about it and how confident they are that I'm going, I should try that camera. I just, I wanna to step to the side of our sinful narrative for a mm -hmm. moment because you you used a word here. You know, sometimes I go back and I listen to the previous episodes because we're awesome. First of all, <laughs> you're so kind to yourself. But also, I just want to make sure like we're not covering the same topics over and over. And right. you do talk about confidence quite a lot. Yeah. You do talk about like you were talking about how the reason you use a handheld meter um, is to have that extra level of confidence and so forth. And the fact that you often see someone interacting with their gear or shooting and they seem to project this aura that you yearn for for yourself because you don't feel you have it a lot of it. Is that my, am I interpreting yeah, you're this right? right? You're right. But mm -hmm. you're so damn good. Where <laughs> oh, does please. that? Look, it's, look, it's, it's almost like our day job. So it's, you know, you're always, there's a lot of insecurity uh, in writing, especially when you're told, you know, do better. Yeah, <laughs> you know, of all course. The time. All the, the whole job is and, being told And your do job is a writer. And the person that's not a writer is telling you, that you yes. should do this over again for some reason. Yes. So I think that plays into it a lot. It's never like that on sets, obviously, but you know, when you're writing or creating something and I'm always looking for what that piece of equipment is that's going to help. But I know that if I just, like I said, when we go out, you have to tell me you can only bring one camera and one lens. Once I'm in that situation, I'll be more creative and, feel confident about just shooting yeah. but otherwise i'm like oh my gosh why like i need something there's got to be something better it's going to make my pictures better and on and on but i really doubt now i have not seen you in action when you are shooting with a friend or a model but i see the results which are phenomenal and i don't think that you would have the ability to put people at ease to get the great results that you get if you did not project a certain aura of self-assuredness and confidence that Am I, wrong I have about no that? idea. I mean, okay. maybe when I'm shooting, but it's such a very, you know, it's what I call it. It's almost like, you know, Ken Kwap is the director. Sure. Amazing. Yeah. Great guy. Did Freaks and Geeks. And he's when he directs. Did The Office, right? Right. The right. Office pilot, I believe. Yeah. Am so you know it? how yeah. we are and we're going and, uh, you know, sound speed and, and action. Right. Yeah. This is how Ken Kwapas does it. He goes, sound speed on another blah. Go ahead. It's phenomenal. Wow. The set's calm. Everyone's happy. There's no like da da. And That's it's very interesting. It's, he goes, go ahead. And so I've always admired, you know, how Ken did that. And I think that's how I approach when I'm shooting. It's very calm, very simple. I know when I'm going to get something. There's there's some direction, but it's not overly directed. It's like you know. You're a model, you're a friend, you just do what you do. And I'll, I know I will get something good out of it. Yeah. 
When I was making the transition from writer to director, I took all of my director friends and a number of my actor friends to lunch and I asked them like do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. Like I just, you know, yeah. what are the, th- what are the, you know, and it was everything from Andy Fleming, who's a great director. He did the craft among other things, just fantastic director. He said, but bring an extra pair of shoes and change your shoes halfway through the day because it will refresh your feet and therefore refresh your whole being. That's things great. like that that you never think of. Yeah. But one director said to me, do you want to know the secret of being a director? He said, say you're a director. Like, don't go to set with insecurity. Go mm-hmm. to set with confidence. There's a wonderful Facebook group I was just invited to join called Crew Stories, which if oh, you're great. not already on it, oh, that's such you a great have got to get on it. There is a thread on it of... Uh, crew jokes and it's every you know like how do you know when the truck is level the teamster drools out of both sides of his mouth at the same time like stuff like that jokes like that right I think I got that joke wrong but that you get the gist of it yes anyway I contributed a joke that I had been told in the van on the way to my first shot as a director the first AD has said to me how many first time directors does it take to screw in a light bulb I don't know what do you think (laughs) there you go it is all about projecting that right. confidence and self-assuredness, even when you don't have it. Right. Like masking your anxiety successfully is a big part of the game. I think it's. I. I think I. That goes away when I'm shooting, um, when I'm shooting friends or models and things like that because it's only me. I'm the whether yeah. I'm good or bad. It's only me. It's only going to be yeah. me. And that's it. I think if there were four others, like some of these, you know, as you see at the camera show, they have these crazy models, and then you, oh, those are the and worst. And then there's like ten people that up. are shooting them, and and it's like, oh my gosh, how do you even get time? And it's crazy. That business. In case y'all haven't seen this. At some camera shows, I see this less now, but it used to be you'd be walking around, you'd be looking at the cameras, you turn a corner, and there is a dazzlingly lit white backdrop and a woman in a bikini. Right. And she's there. She's been hired by the camera show people to basically let you photograph her. Right. It feels faintly discomforting to me. Yes. Something's very strange. Yeah. It's a little strip clubish. To me. And I, I don't like strip clubs. They make right. me really nervous and unhappy because right. I can't help but project myself into the mind of the woman on stage. Right. Probably right. says exactly. more about me. Exactly. But it is there is that creepy jostling, too, that happens of like, it's all guys who yeah. are taking those pictures. Yeah. Who are all kind of moving to the front, you know, trying to get that angle or, oh, it's so... Uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, on to Lust. Yes. We've covered pride and envy. Nice transition. Let's move on to lust. You know, there is a um, standard question that you often hear on camera podcasts, photography podcasts. You and I have actually never covered it. And I feel like seven episodes in, why not throw it out there? Absolutely. Why not throw it out there? It is, of course, the Holy Grail camera, the white whale, the sought after, the like, this is the one I'm dying to. Do you have one of those? Definitely. Oh wow! Definitely. I can't wait to hear so, about this. so there's a couple, but but one really that I I have not talked about yet, which I usually uh, am talking about a bunch of cameras, but the Plawbell Makina, oh. if that's the right way to pronounce it, Makina, Makina. I have seen the most amazing shots with this camera, and um, it's just one of those cameras I've always wanted to try. And I love seeing the old ones, like the chrome ones and all yeah. that. But apparently, 
it's it's those are a little harder to use as, as and but those are also the cheaper they're the older cheaper. ones are much cheaper the yep. one you and i are thinking about the same thing the one that's black with the yep. nicor lens yep. that's a folder and a rangefinder yep unbelievably desirable and there's a dub there's the plabell macina 67 but there's also a w67 which has a wide angle lens which is oh. even more <laughs> desirable yeah i mean i think i think it's that camera and i think the skill of it's it's the four by five, you know. I mean, oh. having that skill to learn a four by five—that's the dream. But I think the Plowbell Machina is is the one. That's the camera. Interesting. And you could get one. You probably well, could get one. I could you probably, probably, but could. I have to thin. I have, I could get rid of. I would feel better if I got rid of some stuff. And that's then what I was going to say. Yes, I think. Do you think that's now with a Grail camera? Mm-hmm. Of course, it is always lovely to be leaning forward, right? Always yes. be leaning into the wind. Absolutely. You'll never achieve it. It's yep. the light at the end of Daisy's dock. Is that 100%. what it is? 100%. Yeah. Yes. So you're always looking for it, right? Mm-hmm. And you would don't really want to achieve it. But there is also the possibility, Gabe, if you did decide to thin the herd and trade in some gear, you could pony up for one of those babies. Definitely. They're not crazy, crazy expensive. Well, the issue is this. The issue is this, is when I do that and I trade for something, I'm going to miss, there's going to be that sometime and go, oh. if I only had the camera. This happened with the Mamiya 7, and this mm. happened with the Contax G2. I traded those in, and I've, I've actually missed the Mamiya 7 too more than anything, but uh, so I have to really pick things that I'm not using at all. Okay. So, so but I will, I really want to do that. I really want to try that camera. Have you ever thought of using, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but there are rental websites where you could rent one of those babies for a couple of weeks. It'd be a few hundred dollars to rent. I but you could have the ex- I didn't even think of it. I would love I'm gonna do that. That's a great idea. Maybe yep. try it. Because yep. I gotta say, sometimes I think I read on maybe it was Casual Photophile or 35MMC or one of those websites, someone who had actually gotten one and said, you know, they're not perfect. They have actually a lot of problems. Right. There's a lot of quirks and strangeness about a Machina, and you have to like buy into it to really enjoy the experience. So it might not, you know, like me with the Nikon 35 Ti, which had been right. my Grail camera for a very long time, and I got it, and it did just did not suit me. Right. So it might be fun. I don't know. I'm gonna do that. That's a great. Might idea. be an episode. Might yep. be an episode. You yep. and I rent Testing our camera, mm-hmm. compare we'll notes, bring our mics along. Yeah. Anything else besides the plow bell you know i i think as in a camera i'd love to try is the hasselblad digital oh i know nothing about this yeah so it's just i don't even know what the the model is but i know obviously doing what we do we're at a lot of photo shoots and watching people shoot pictures of our cast and i've seen some amazing work come out of that Mm. stuff i've also learned some incredible lighting things by some of those magazines because when you go through those um like either a vanity fair thing or one of these you know situations where every outlet is covering your show and your actors you go from booth to booth to booth and and it's interesting because those photographers have their own lighting setups and sometimes they're oh really cool so you've learned some things about see it's been a while since i've done this but like i know what you're talking about where they have those different setups and Yep. That's fascinating. Yeah, I don't see. I never see film cameras at those things. I mean, is no. pretty oh, much oh, everyone has moved. To- 
No one uh, except for the Vanity Fair freaks and geeks. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, there was the Pentax, uh, which I talked about, I think, the first episode. The Pentax 6-7. And I just, um, I love that. Again, I love that camera. It's just so heavy for me. That's all. Yeah. I, as usual, I don't have a good prepared answer to the question I just asked. Um, (laughs) There are cameras that I desire because they are aberrant and exotic and strange. These examples will probably not surprise you. Mm -hmm. The Leica 72, right? Of course I want a a half frame Leica, right? Um, uh, There's actually, I have bookmarked on eBay, two different Alpa half frame cameras. They they made a half frame version of the, basically of the 11 SI. It's very similar to the SLR I have. I cannot get motivated to buy one of these things because it basically is a half frame version of what I've already got. I've always wanted, at the other end of the spectrum, I've always wanted a working Canon Dial 35. Do you know that camera? Wow, I don't know the camera. I've seen pictures of it, but I haven't. Yeah, the Dial 35 is just so cool looking, but it's got, you know, and it's a half frame camera, which of course I love. It's got that very weird, it looks like a telephone. It's got, that's why it's called (laughs) the Dial. Um, But they're terrible cameras. They have a clockwork drive, which breaks very, very easily. But I've always wanted one. I've always wanted one of those guys. I think for me, and this is kind of the cliche answer, though my my yearning for this camera has diminished a bit in recent weeks for reasons that will be obvious, the Hasselblad X-Pan. Yeah. AKA the Fuji TX2 or TX1 or whatever. I mean, I'm interested in film cameras that can give you kinds of effects you can't really get with an equivalent digital camera. That's one of the reasons the Wide Lux has been so damn fun. But doesn't that cover it? Don't you think the Wide Lux? What would the, the, what would the Hasselblad it. bring you? Well, now we're getting like a little in the weeds because the Hasselblad is ostensibly supposed to give you a distortion-free widescreen image as opposed to the barrel distorted wide lux image which comes from having a swing lens so the Hasselblad's default lens is a 45 millimeter and then you get the widescreen look and so it's the same image taken with the x-pan versus the wide lux will look completely different because the wide lux will be distorted in this barrel-ish way which is kind of groovy Um, right but i have some x-pan related problems one is you're gonna hate this the paint wears very badly on them. Oh, that's beautiful. My favorite. But I mean, it, it, it wears in a way that's not attractive. But does it affect the pictures? It affects the pictures not at all. <laughs> but emotionally. Emotionally, it affects, it affects me. <laughs> I, I, I understand. That could really uh, affect your photography. And though, again, this is so much about my own particular predilections, right? But... Of course, the the Fuji TX1 and the Fuji TX2 are equivalent to the Hasselblad X-Pan and the Hasselblad X-Pan 2, okay? Interesting. The difference is the Fujis, which do not have as sexy a name, they have a wooden grip. Oh, well, I do like that. And it looks super damn cool. Now, you can change your Hasselblad to a wooden grip, I think, but that ain't original. So you see me struggling with this already, don't you? You see, this is very classically me that I would begin doing this kind of math about the camera. And they're also, they're wildly overpriced and they have that thing that always hangs me up, which is that they are electronically based. 
Like way right. down. I have only held one. Judd Apatow, you know, who we did Freaks and a bunch of other things with. He has one. Wow. And Get him so, on the show. Right. What? I know. We'll, Why we'll, have we we'll not get talked him on about the show. this? He's, he's in Australia okay. now, but yes, I we will get him on the show. He, um, you know, and he has Leicas, and, and we've we've talked about this a bunch of times, but he uh, loved that camera, but I just don't think he used it as much. Oh. And I think that that's sort of, I really want to talk to him about that camera. Well, you know, you can shoot it as just a regular rangefinder, too. You don't have to shoot it oh, wide. Wow. You know, you can, there's a, it's exactly the opposite of those crappy panoramic cameras of the 2000s where it would mask Mm -hmm. the 35 millimeter frame vertically. The X-Pan has a mask it horizontally. So you can shoot a standard 35 millimeter frame. I would love that. I I didn't even know that. That'd be really fun. Yeah. 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 And this is another thing, Gabe, where like there are companies online that will rent you one for a couple of weeks. And I have thought about doing this many times, many times. So I have, I'm going to be honest with you. I have never rented a camera in my life. And I am going to do it. I think that's such a great idea. And it would save me so much money of crappy cameras if I had only thought of that ahead of time. But I need to buy something. Yeah, particularly if it's a really high-end thing like the Plowbow Machina. You know, like you really want to see how it feels in your hands and whether you bond with it before really shelling out the dough. And I feel like the X-Pan would be the same thing for me. So maybe, like I said, future episode where we have our rental packed. And we go forth and see what we think of it. We're going to do it. I think it's yeah. fantastic. The the other, this is just coming in through the side door, but the other camera I think about a lot is, you know, there's a couple of these, like the Ilford Witness. Do you know that camera? That's a very rare. I've never even heard the of Ilford it. The Ilford Witness, which was made by Ilford, is a lovely right. Leica-style rangefinder. They're very rare. They're very expensive. Mm-hmm. There's the Ducati do you know the Ducati camera? Right. Speaking of companies that do other things, the Ducati no. is a rangefinder camera made in Italy. You know how I love cameras that were not made in the U.S., Germany, or Japan. Right. Um, right. So you know, I, I always look for these things and I bookmark them on eBay and I watch the prices go up and down and up and down. But uh, one of these days, one of these days, right. the Rectiflex was one of those, and I'm so glad I did it. I found a cheap one and I love yep. it. On to right. our next sin. Is it pronounced sloth or sloth? I think it's sloth. Okay. Sloth. Letting <laughs> cameras languish on the shelf. You know, this is another thing we have not talked about much on our podcast, which is the shelf queen. Yeah. The camera that you have mm-hmm. just because it looks so damn pretty. Is that okay? I think in my case, if I don't use it, it feels like it's... Not okay. Mm. I feel like I want to use everything. And some things look really great. You know, like this Linhoff that's over my Beautiful. shoulder that I have never used. Um, I love how it looks. I love the design. But it's sort of, you know, and, and then, you know, I just listened to the last episode of Sunny 16 and the Russian cameras and oh. the guy who has 1,100 oh, cameras. Like, fascinating. So cool to hear him speak. Um, just listen to that episode. But... You know, there's a lot of cameras that probably sit on the shelf when you have 1,100 cameras. Yeah. (laughs) I don't like having too many on the shelf. I mean, I I posted a picture of the current state of my collection, which is around 40. And I have used all of them fairly recently. And I like to cycle through them. There's only one or two. You know, I talked about the three Canon Demi colors that I have that are red, white, and blue that just look pretty. The Demi is not a good camera. But they're just so cute. And they're cheap, you know? I have the... 
the cafe latte version of the Pentax Auto 110 Super, which is, right. you know, which the Auto 1, you don't shoot with these cameras at all. I'm just realizing. No. Not interested no. at all. And there's also cameras I have that I have never, ever shot with. This I don't get. What's mm-hmm. happening there? What? Give, so give me an example of I one will, you've never th- shot So this, go, this goes back to... You know, seeing someone or watching a YouTube video or being fascinated by a camera or some hipster at a camera show has this cool camera over like he doesn't care, but he looks like he knows what he's doing. So like the Minolta 7, Mm. okay, the Minolta 7S. Wait, is that that a rangefinder? Is that a range? What is that? Uh, yeah. Okay. I yeah, I, I have I a vague I'm memory pretty, of what one looks I'm like. I'm pretty sure, okay. but I've never used them. So I have three of those. Oh. Because I needed those models, and I saw some pictures that were great. And then, of course, they are still sitting behind me. Hmm. I need to use them. And, uh, you know, there's so many cameras I have never heard of that people love. So I'm always sort of going, oh, my gosh, I should try that one. I should try that one. But there's a lot of them that I think, um, I guess if the design is really cool, and also if they don't work, but the design is just unbelievable, yeah. I will keep that camera. What's an example of one that's just really where the design is so beautiful and you keep it on the shelf to look there at? There is a Russian camera, which I, I can't even tell you the name, but we will post about it. And it's it's just, it looks like sort of a little work of art. Oh, it's just a beautiful, small rangefinder, and I was fascinated. I saw it at a garage sale. Is that the and that the isn't woman, the Microma with a K? Is it? it sounds like oh, no. Okay, keep going. But if you said it, I might. Okay, it, I might go back and go. Oh yeah, that one. But I think those cameras, and I love the one that I don't use enough that I do love, is the um, uh, is the Bullseye. Oh, the Contrax Bullseye, which I just you just vowed to shoot you know, with that more last time we talked about it. Did that ever come to pass? I know, and I shot with it only once since. But I need to shoot. Yeah, with I it was more. reading about it, and I think we talked about this a little bit when you mentioned it. First of all, it is beautiful, and I would—I mean, that, I, that is absolutely a camera to have just because it's so damn cool looking. But the thing I realized when you were showing it off on Zoom while we were recording that episode several weeks ago is it's big. I mean, it it's looks like heavy. a 120 camera. Yeah. It's like the size of a camera that should be 120. <laughs> it, it really does. Yeah, it really does. But. Gosh, to be shooting with those lenses, that has got to be pretty spectacular. It's so cool. My new, by the way, again, little sidebar, but I went yeah. through a period this past week of obsession with the Roloflex SL350. Have we talked about this? And? No. Okay, well, we talked a little bit about the SL35 when we were talking about underrated yes. cameras. And yes. the SL35, I have since been messaged by several people saying they are really quite terrible. And yes, and <clears throat> I, that's the one I have. Yeah, I didn't know mine never had a problem, but apparently the meters are prone to crapping out on you. Right. But conversely, the lenses are these planars and distagons and so forth. They're some of the best lenses ever made. So trade off, trade off. Also, it is a camera where you have to stop down to meter, which is a, a right. bit of a drag. Right. Roly eventually Roly. By the way, that's how we're supposed to pronounce it. Roly. Roly. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm not going to do it, that's but that's terrible. how we're supposed to pronounce it. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, what kind of camera do you have? A Roliflex. Roliflex. Um, <laughs> Roli eventually got around to making an open aperture version of the SL35 called the SL350, which looks exactly 
like the SL35. Same beautiful lines. They beefed up the advanced lever a little bit to make it better, right? They only made 7,972 SL350s. Well, that's fascinating. And, so that's something to get. Yes. And unfortunately, guess what? They're primarily in Europe. If you go on eBay, the bulk of them that are for sale right now, first of all, none of them has a working meter. And in addition, right. they are all from sellers in Austria and Poland. Wow. And I did a Gabe Sachs on these. Okay, I mm-hmm. took your advice. You had the conversation. I had the conversation. Yeah. And I engaged with do. a couple of people. One guy in Italy got back to me very promptly. And so I'm circling this a little bit. I don't think this is a camera that I would shoot with all that much. So I'm really weighing it because they're not cheap. But it's so pretty. And I do kind of miss the SL35, even though, like I said, didn't shoot with it very much. But the SL350 would give me like... You know, because it's rare and exotic, yeah, it would be yeah. more of a motivation. It would give you that special Jeff thing. That, it's uh, so wrong. That yeah. special Jeff thing yeah. that is so wrong because it has nothing to do with the quality of the image. Well, I am encouraging to buy things overseas now because I had such an amazing... Tell me about that. Yeah. Amazing experience. So I bought something from Etsy and Camera Photo, which is uh, F-O-T-O. Yeah and uh, from Denmark, and uh, Catalin, and I may be pronouncing his name wrong, uh, was amazing. Hmm. Like, communication was great. Uh, He described the lens. This was an older Pentax uh, 135 f2.5, which I saw incredible fashion shots with. Because you you told me that there are two 135 2.5s, but this is the rarer. Yeah, I think there's more than two. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is... I don't know if it's rare, but it's the... It's the one that I wanted. Mm. It was the one that had um, uh, that this fashion photographer used, and it. Uh, I think there's a few of them, uh, but this was the one that uh, I believe had the six blades. It was. Oh. I, I think that's the one, not the five. And I love it. Mm. I mean, I just got it, but you know, he and he's also listening to our show, which is awesome. Nice. He's. I. I told him about. It, we had a conversation, and then I got the lens. It had a Pentax sticker, like a giant right. Pentax sticker, and also a pack of expired film. Wow! From the grocery store. Oh, that's from great. that he was there, and I was so thankful and so excited, and uh, it was great. And that's you know, I'll definitely buy stuff from him again. Yeah. What? No uh, question. What, so, what camera are you going to shoot that on? That I'm going to shoot. Uh, I have an old Pentax 1000, K1000, oh, good. which it will fit on. And also, I I got an adapter for my a7 II. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Digital. So, you can shoot so it I've on been the I've been shooting too. on that, and it's it's great. And that's usually how I'm testing a lot of lenses. Yeah. So I I really am excited to go shoot that one. Cool. All right. Well, I want to. I was. We're stepping to the side a little bit of our of our narrative of sin. Yes. Yes. But I had a very pleasant experience this past week too, and I want to shout out someone who is rapidly becoming a legend in the analog photography community, Ethan Moses of Cameradactyl. Oh yeah. Now he has this new device called a mongoose, which is a high speed scanning apparatus where you use your digital camera to scan an entire uncut roll of film in something like 90 seconds. And so when I heard about this, I was like, I am in. This is the guy, I mean, he's built grips, he's 3D printed cameras, amazing guy. And so I was one of the first dozen backers of the Mongoose. I got my Mongoose. I have an Olympus Pen F Digital, where the motor and the device itself was working just fine, but it was not properly triggering the camera. So I emailed Ethan 
five minutes later, he emails me back. He says, do you want to get on Google Meet right now? And oh, we can so run some tests on it. This guy is such a mensch. And it just yep. made me feel so good about the purchase. You know, because Kickstarter, we, we've talked about it a little bit, but it's such a roll of the dice when you back something. You yep. don't know if it's going to be a good experience or a bad one. You don't know if you're getting value for your dollar. He has bent over backwards. He's already got a replacement unit in the mail to me, an experimental triggering apparatus that will probably wow. work with my Olympus. And so he is just, Fantastic. I cannot recommend this guy highly enough. So lovely, so responsive, and just a total sweetheart and super passionate about film photography. So shout out to Ethan. We love you. I love that. Yeah, it's great to love hear. that. Okay, moving off of sloth, we now come to yes. wrath. <laughs> wrath. How are you good with anger, Gabe? How do you do with anger? Um, it depends. In in what regard would you say? You seem a little bit like me, temperamentally speaking, in that you don't blow up. Right. We're comedy writers. This is true. In lieu of blowing yeah. up, we go right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, exactly. Expressions of anger do not come easily to me. So I had to sort of figure out, okay, how are we going to talk about wrath? And do you ever get angry at your gear? Do you ever feel genuinely angry at a piece of gear? Well, I do get angry at my gear, but I don't do anything violent. Like I don't throw them. I don't do anything like that, but I've had very lengthy verbal arguments with them. Okay. Uh, there are times when I have to sit a camera down and just say, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and it's happened. And it's, I have been, I will tell you exactly. So I love this Hasselblad 501CM, 80 millimeter lens. I was on this shoot. This friend, I, they were in town. They were doing some fashion week thing. I was in New York, actually. And I had maybe, they had a break. So I had like 10 minutes, right? Yeah. And... So I'm shooting, first two frames are awesome, shoot the third one, camera jams. Camera jams, camera jams, I have nothing left. I have nothing there. Camera jams, camera jams, camera jams. I'm so infuriated. I go, oh my God, we'll figure this out another time. And then, you know, another photographer came up and, you know. And so I get in the car and I'm looking at the camera and I go, I cannot believe this. I can't believe this. And I click it, and it works. What? Mm-hmm. It jammed. It jammed and jammed and jammed. I did everything. Took the back off. Did everything in the car, and then it works. So it just mocks me. It just literally looks at me and goes, "That's what you get." Have you, you shot go. with its? Did it learn its lesson? Is my point. Did the? It really didn't learn its lesson no. because now it happens every other time. Oh, that's the worst. I'm having an. So I'm having an intermittent problem with the camera now, and it's driving me bananas. And it's a camera that's. Which one? Uh, this is a camera that I like quite a lot. I actually posted about it the other day. It's a Canon Sure Shot. Uh, right. What is it? Canon Sure Shot Multi Tele. Multi Tele. It's the only autofocus you know, camera. You know I own. who told me about that camera? Was it Anal Mystery? Because that's who told me about Anal it. Anal Mystery. Yeah. Anal Mystery. I mean, I'm telling you. It is a great little he machine. He is a wealth of information. His interview, by the way, that. on, I believe it's on Classic Lenses from last week, is a shopping list. I mean, it's a shopping list. His. He loves all the same cameras I do too. He loves yeah. those. I mean, oh yeah, we talked about. Yeah, that. he. Oh my God, he's. I mean, oh, I can't say it. Enough. And a he, great photographer, really great his photographer, which is really amazing. Street photography, I think, is just yeah. exemplary. Like, I'm so jealous. Check out Animal Mystery. Yeah. Seriously, oh so my God. talented. Animal Mystery photo on Instagram. He's brilliant. 
lovely guy. But anyway, so I bought this camera sort of at his behest. And it has, it's, you know, it's an auto everything kind of, right? It has this persistent problem where you'll be halfway through the roll. You'll be at frame 14, frame 15, and then all of a sudden it'll reset to frame one, which isn't a problem. It won't rewind? It'll just reset? No, but here's the problem. Okay. Here's the problem. So I got to what I was pretty sure was the end of a roll. I hit the dinky little button to force rewind. Okay. Right. It went. Guess what it didn't do? It only rewound the 10 frames. It didn't rewind the whole roll. So I opened the back (gasps) and half of my roll was still sitting in the chamber. I was filled with rage. I was filled with wrath. See, I understand that. And I'm mad at the camera because the camera lied to me. Not only did it lie to me, but it, it hurt me personally because all of these lovely images that I shot, these were all images from, okay, those of you who follow me on Instagram know that I have a hit rock band. Obviously, yes. beautiful music. Beautiful music. And my girlfriend and I recorded uh, this weekend with a Grammy-nominated sax player named Mindy Bear, And I had the short shot multi-telling. I was just snappity-snapping with my lovely roll of HP5 that I loaded with. I'm going to talk about my bulk loader in a minute. Um, oh, yes. Um, and all those images died. I'm in a rage. So frustrating. I'm I, in a I, rage. I understand that. And I really think that we should have an episode, maybe our 100th episode. Ooh! Uh, we will uh, take the cameras that have wronged us, that are broken, like yeah. truly broken, not fixable, on and on, and either smash them Ooh. or do something uh, fun to them. Have you ever make them into a lamp? Thrown a camera in the garbage because it didn't was it didn't make any sense to fix it. No, there's been plenty that should have been thrown yeah. into the garbage, but I I can't get myself to do it. Yeah, I can't do it either. I can't do it either. But I yeah. did have a moment yeah. of crystalline rage at this camera. And I don't, you know what else? It also has broken my trust. Think about it. Oh, that, exactly. So, okay, talking about confidence again. Yeah. When I go out with that camera, I'm convinced it's going to break. So I'm not really concentrating on what I'm shooting. I'm concentrating, is the stupid thing going right. to break again or jam? That's right. Yeah. And you can't be loose. Yeah. You can't be an artist the nope. way you want to be because nope. you're bound up. You're like, can I trust you? Every time exactly. you shoot it. And that is not and the your way your focus you can... is on the wrong place. And then the, and the person you're shooting feels the rage and then they yeah, get upset. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, is he upset with me? Or, yeah, uh, I understand it. Well, when we talk about loathing, again, because we're comedy writers, we have to talk about self-loathing. So yes. I'm going to share a brief moment yes. of self-loathing. We talked about I have the gear, but I also have the fear. Okay. I right. wanted to overcome it. So I decided to get my 100-foot roll of HP5 out of the fridge and my... New in box Alden seventy four bulk loader. So proud, Look how beautiful. So that is. cool. It is really nice. And load. It's made of bakelite. I mean, what's nothing better than that, right? So good. And load this baby up. So I did everything right, Gabe. Now this one has. Do you have this particular device, the Alden? Yes, I do. So you know that it. You twist it to open. You twist it to close. Right. You right. twist to open. Open means that this door needs to be closed. <laughs> right. Okay. Close right. means it's light tight. Right. I read everything. I watched videos. I have my changing bag. I have my roll. I loaded it right. perfectly. I loaded it perfectly. Right. Got the thing in, yeah. fed the little strip into the chamber. It's all perfect. I turn on the light. I have not twisted it to close. <sighs> so then I twisted it. come on. So, did it... so I had I a know. moment of, I mean, who can I be mad at? I can't be mad at the loader. Right. Uh, it's operator right. error. So I quickly twisted it closed. 
Quickly right. twisted to close. And then, of course, I'm Googling to see about other people who have made this same mistake and how much film this has cost me. And there seemed to be a consensus that maybe you lost a yard because the outer layer of film protects the inner layer. It's a lot layers. of film. I know it's a lot of film. It's one roll. <laughs> a yard of film. A yard of yeah. film is about a roll, right? Yep. So I spun off a roll. I ran it through the camera really fast, through a camera, just took pictures around. Sure enough, there were a couple of instances of fogging. But then at the, I guess I would say the front end of the roll, not the back end, the fogging had abated. So I thought, all right, I feel okay. It's a trust issue again. I feel okay about loading more. So I have three cameras now that are loaded with HP5 from my sexy bulk loader. I have about 75 left in the camera. I will tell you something, though, about the bulk loader. It is fun. It is fun. And it does feel like you're like Willy Wonka with film. Like you can just spin off a roll anytime you want. There's no ritual of taking it out of the and box. And so it comes it comes out to be, doesn't it average like about $4 a roll? It's something you good. You save a little bit. But there's right. a little trick to it that they don't tell you about, which is that not oh. only do you fog the first three frames of every roll, the leader, which is not a problem, you also fog the last three. Oh, shit. Interesting. And that's a problem. Right? Because you don't Mm. know when you're shooting what the last three are going to be. So you may find that you've taken three really important images and they're going to be fogged. And that does not happen when you buy store-bought film. Right. So you need to watch your counter. And when you get up around 33, you start thinking, well, let's don't do it. (laughs) Let's like, let's relax. Right. That'll be it. 33 is it. Yeah. And so... That again, it's a it's a balancing act, but it yeah, is yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah, it, it is the sense. magic film box, and I like it. Okay, on with the show. Oh, We're on cool. to I think the sins, the last two sins, which probably in many ways have the most to do with our hobby, which are greed <laughs> and gluttony. Greed and gluttony. By the way, aren't these all the same thing? Glut, greed, gluttony is with food, and greed is with money. But it's just it's yeah. acquisition. It's relentless yeah. acquisition. It's acquiring. It's for the sake there. That's what it is. Yeah. Is there an element of greed and gluttony in camera collecting for you? Oh, I definitely think it's, it's, but it also mixes with envy. Mm. I think it's one of those things that you feel like you have to have it. So I don't have that muscle that says, you know what? It'll, it'll come around at some point. I, I can find that. I'm like on eBay yeah. or Craigslist or Etsy or any other thing on Facebook that I can buy cameras at. And, and I will be looking and looking and looking and I have to get it right away. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. There's no reason. But I have to find that thing right away. But there's that. There's no waiting. Yeah. But, and, but it's this, it's almost like there's this halo around that camera. Like it requires yeah, this outsized it's the best thing importance. Ever. It's going to change your life. Yeah, yeah it's going to change your life. And and you will stop at nothing. But I don't know if that's greed or gluttony. I feel like that it's something, I don't know, something that it electrifies your soul in some way that makes you behave in an unaccustomed fashion. Maybe that is sin. Maybe I am describing sin, but... Well, I think when you see, when you in my case, when you see some photography that's absolutely unbelievable and you're going... I want to figure out how to get that look. Not the exact look, but there's something about, you know, the bokeh in the background. Yeah. There's something about that lens. And, and you know, an example of that is just the recent lens I just purchased last night, no. which was, 
you know, I, I, you know, because of that Russian show, because of the mm. Sunny 16 show and those experts and, and talking and things like that, I got to thinking in my Pentacon 6TL, which I like. Yeah. And they have, there's this lens that I've seen this guy use over and over again, the Volna 3. Well, how um, do you spell that? And it, uh, it, you know, you're asking me? Volna. It's, uh, that sounds vaguely yeah. pornographic to me. <laughs> It, I assure you it is not. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I can assure you that it has bokeh, and that's about okay. it. Okay. Um, but it's an amazing uh, lens, and I saw this, and it's in a Pentacon mount. So I looked around and looked around and found one and ordered it. And, um, you know, that was, I don't know why I needed that. I haven't used that camera in a while, but, you know. Well, that'll spur you to, to use it. it. That'll absolutely spur exactly. you to use it. Exactly. Yeah. I just, by the way, you're reminding me another neat thing that happened this week. You have a wide lux, right? Yes. Okay, you're aware that using filters with the wide lux is a very tricky business. Yeah, I have no idea how to do that. Yes. You can't. Because think about it. The yeah. lens is kind of on a swivel, right? So how in the world would you so do So you'd it? have to shoot through a piece of like a giant. Or something. Well, it turns out yeah. wide lux made a set of filters and they're very strange. They are... <laughs> They almost look like a lorgnette. You know what that is? Right. Yeah, they look like a lorgnette. And you ordered? Okay. Yeah. No, because if you look on eBay, the, the filters are so rare. They have to hook on to the top of the turret, and right. they spin with the turret. With it. Yeah. Wow. So Widelux made these, and they were often sold with the cameras Ugh. when new. But you, if you try and buy just a Widelux filter set, they are $400, $500. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. An enterprising man named Jerry Orkin, who I believe is in Australia, thought, what do I need this for? I can make my own. I can 3D oh. print them, and I can Love do something people. that Widelux themselves never did, which is make close-up lenses. How cool would that be? Oh, that would be incredible. And filters in colors that... Widelux themselves never made. So I ordered a few. Right. I ordered a few and I'm very wow. excited. And I will tell you, this is the long end of a long narrative. I have a few rolls of Aerochrome in my fridge. Just a few. You know where this is going. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have a red filter for the Widelux and shoot Aerochrome. So I'm going to be shooting those crazy widescreen shots with infrared film. Oh my yeah. God, I cannot wait to try this. That'll be amazing. Yeah. Seriously, that'll be amazing. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. And the guy who used to be, um, what was his name? I think his name was Benici, Dean Benici, who was the sole mm -hmm. source of Aerochrome film on eBay. He's out. There is no more wow. Aerochrome. And I have one roll of 120 and I think three rolls of 35. And I am... I'm going to Joshua Tree like in a week and a half. And so I'm thinking, oh, that's going to be great. I'm thinking if I could get this all together, maybe that's a good place to shoot some infrared. <laughs> Very excited. Um, oh what's gosh. the antidote to green and gluttony? Like, how do we expiate the sin? Is it about giving the cameras away, donating them? How do we do that? I love, as you do, giving cameras as gifts. Tell me about that. I just, I just gave our, besides kids, and kids that are interested in photography, I'm always saying, I'm going to put together a camera and some film, and I want you to have it and go out there and shoot, because it gets them excited yeah. about it and, and waiting for the film. Uh, Fred Corey, who's never used a film camera, I just gave him uh, 
for uh, his birthday a Roloflex. Oh, a TLR? Is ex- yeah. You are a good man. And he is so excited. Um, and it's it's really great. Got a case and got a close-up filter. And so uh, we are going to shoot with it next week. Oh, that sounds And great. Uh, go out and shoot. But I, I feel like when it comes to, you know, schools and all kinds of programs and and teachers that are encouraging kids to slow down and not just take pictures on their phones and sort of realize there's another way to do things like of course with me typewriters and things like that but i think any time i can give a camera away to someone that's going to enjoy it it just makes it that much better because then someone's going to see it from them and then they're going to buy a camera and or they'll be interested in cameras. And I just think it's it's so fun yeah, to Yeah, I agree. I love that. I love giving cameras as gifts. I love, I think I've mentioned, I love giving a camera, a film camera kit. I love to like yep. put together the gift box. Like it's the camera and it's some film. And sometimes I try and do, I think the darkroom still does this, but I used to get like vouchers for developing. So all they oh, got to yeah, do yeah. is drop it in the envelope, send it to the darkroom. And the manual, you know, I... Downloaded yep. from Butkus, show, throw him a few shekels, print out the PDF, yep. <laughs> and then staple it. So I put together the gift box for new parents, you know, and that's great. That's, that's I great. just love that. And I find that the, the ones that are often stickier are the Polaroid gift boxes, but even so, a nice 35 millimeter it's camera great. is probably going to last you longer than a nice Polaroid. I just have a feeling. Definitely. And I have also sent boxes of cameras to the Film Photography Project school donation program because they are always that's looking fantastic. for it, particularly yep. film SLRs. You know, yep. if you have those undesirable SLRs that we've talked about. Yeah, I will definitely send them. Yeah, yep. that, those are always good. Such a great program. And Mike does an incredible job of getting those out to schools all over the country, and in many cases all over the world, that teach photography using these cameras. I also try to be a good citizen in those Facebook groups. When people ask questions, I will never be negative. I am always no. trying to be affirmative and helpful and point them to things that have worked for me. I feel like I've benefited so much from that kind of patience and advice from people. And I always try and return the favor because I've made I've made actual friends from people who have taken the time to reach out to me or answer a question. I think that's also because we know that feeling. Yes. I mean, <laughs> definitely from camera shows and definitely from people who we've asked questions and they just go refer to thread. 762 yeah they don't answer you they just go oh we've talked about this so many times and right so it's so discouraging so yes i i love talking about film photography i love as i told you before when there's someone that's interested i will send them every link you bet i could find on youtube and and give them as much information about the history of the camera and sort of send some fascinating things and i just love it and there's so many great sources on youtube which we will talk about in a future episode and i think that it's it's just fascinating to find out who test cameras and that you can go to over and over again to see what they're shooting and learn more about the camera yeah so we've spent a lot of time talking about sin but i think it is good to talk on about how to expiate these sins be helpful be of service because that ultimately is what grows this community and i feel exactly as you do, that I have been the beneficiary of so much good advice, so much patience, people giving me gear. And so I always try and sort of pass that along. So we're ending on an up note. Love that. I love an up note. Ending on an up note. I want to mention one other thing, and I want to put this out to the community for opinions. Because Gabe and I have talked about how occasionally there are these attempts on Kickstarter to build new film cameras. Right. We've seen a couple of these 
kind of try and fail. None of them have seemed to actually go the distance. And I believe that what we need is not new film cameras. We need guys and gals who can fix the cameras we have. Because chances are, look, I believe technology is an ever upward spiral of excitement and joy, but you're not going to make a better 35 millimeter SLR than the Nikon F. Right. I just, what are you going to do? Right. Really, you can throw some bells and whistles on it and they could have a USB rechargeable battery instead of a button cell. But ultimately, we need people who can fix our Nikon Fs. Like Gabe and I have talked about this a bit and have said like, well, what do we do? Is it a scholarship? Is it a training app? What is, is it a school? We just want to solicit your opinions of what this might look like. Yep. So reach out to us. First of all, tell us if you agree. Like, do you agree with this? Because it feels like that's what's going to keep the hobby alive. Right. So much of what we talk about on this podcast are these cameras that we're passionate about. We talked last time about what it takes to get them fixed and keep them running. You know, we both have cameras that in many cases are close to 100 years old. We need the men and women who can keep these things running. And when you so go... let's hear you from you guys. Yeah, when you go to these repair shops, it's not like some young hipster right out no. of school is fixing your camera. And so... You're just hoping they have an apprentice or they're teaching other people and you just don't know. And it would be yeah. so great if, you know, they were teaching a younger set to actually continue the tradition because there's going to be a shortage. And it's sort of you really want yes. your cameras to be able to be fixed and figure it out. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think Brooklyn Film Camera is doing that with the SX-70 with Polaroids. Right. They fixed an SX-70 for me and they are training new guys and gals to fix and restore these things. And we want that right. because no one is ever going to make a Polaroid better than the SX-70. Yep. It is just unsurpassable. You can talk to me about your instant con mint RF-70, but really, come on, gang, <laughs> Polaroid. So kudos to Brooklyn Film Camera for keeping that, I love that knowledge alive and vibrant. And we're kind of, well, we just want to talk to you guys. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Okay. That is episode seven. Episode seven. The magical, mystical number seven. We've made it. A number of mystery and intrigue. Thank you to all our fans. Thank you to Sunny 16 Podcast for continuing to give us a home. Yes. And be the, be the best possible network executives, the kinds that never give notes. <laughs> and we had so much fun on the show. It was like such a great time. Oh, yes. It was so much fun. Yeah, if you... I got to say, John Whitmore doing the visuals of the shuffling <laughs> oh, SX-70 shots. If you've listened to the episode, and I hope you all will, because we had such a great time talking to Aid and Claire and Graham and briefly John uh, about the hobby, it's worth seeking out the YouTube video. Like, John does a remarkable job. It's amazing of keeping up with the flow of the narrative and Googling things we talk about. It's pretty spectacular. Uh, we may do one of those in the future. Yes. John actually offered to do a video podcast. Let us know if that's of interest to you. Do you want to see our pink faces? Well, my I look very... Gabe looks normal. I look very pink right now. I don't know what's going on. My light bulb is the wrong color temperature. But again, thank you to Sunny16. Thanks for that opportunity. We love visiting the mothership. Thanks, as always, to Fred Corey, our musical director. Yay. Keith Greenstein, Yay. our art director. Amazing. Uh, any final thoughts, Gabe, on Sin? Uh, just give in. Just do it. If you want a camera, just go buy it. <laughs> just do it. Or just That's seek it out. That's our message, gang. <laughs> give in to Sin. We will see you next time. See you next time. On. <laughs> on. I Dream of Cameras.